Hello you, it's Graham Norton here. Thank you very much for listening to my Virgin Radio podcast with Waitrose. This weekend, Freema Adjaman speaks to me about her brand new comedy series, Dreamland. And we have our cracking, excellent Easter competition, giving some of you lucky lot the chance to win a bunch of Waitrose goodies, including a £250 Waitrose voucher. But first, here's Maria with some of your problems to solve. <laughs> Chart-related. Happy Chart birthday related. to you. Happy stop birthday it, to you. It. No, no, Happy seriously, stop it. <laughs> you are 60 and old. <laughs> but not as old as you. <laughs> oh, it hurts, it burns. Hey, Graham, I am so jealous of you going to see Brucey Springsteen. It was so good. And it would be in front of that kind of home crowd. You know, any time he mentioned Jersey, you know, the whole crowd would go, yeah. And Madison Square Garden is such New a Jersey. wonderful venue. Well, he would say Jersey. He would just say Jersey because they don't yeah. think of a small, posh island. Uh, <laughs> they think, <laughs> Tax they, free. They, yeah, they think of a place very near where they were. Uh, so they're doing big cheer. And the Madison Square Garden, there wasn't a seat wasted the set I mean but by the way he is coming to Hyde Park and he's going to Ireland he's all over the place now I think he's, there's a European leg happening so if you get a chance do go it is just wall a wall of music he's got about 20 people on stage with him and they are just fabulous musicians and oh I couldn't gush about it enough he he was really and Graham tell really me terrific. tell me how old he is because I didn't hear you this morning He's 70, what did I say now earlier? I think it might be 73 or something like that. Um, It's amazing. I mean, at what point do you say to yourself, okay, I'm quite tired now, might just give that a bit of a break. I mean, was the audience old as well? (laughs) Well, it was, I have to say, I think it's the most heterosexual audience I've been in for a very long time. (laughs) I feel like like Bruce Springsteen is the Madonna for straight people. There was, it was. Uh, well, we we spotted a couple of other gays, but really, in a stadium of thousands of people, it was. Yeah, I felt like the gays had something else to do that night. But uh, we we were there. <laughs> yeah, you know and... what, Graham? You know what? The straights know how to have fun too. It's not all about the gays. No, I know. Uh, but anyway, so, he's, so they've just Mick just told me in my ear he is actually seventy three, and what I was saying earlier was, you know, at sixty there can be a slight sense of oh that's it, you know, I'm, I really I should pull into a lay by and just wait for the end. But uh, but then you see him on stage and you kind of think, wow, there are many more miles to go. He because there's also no sense of oh bless him or no sense of isn't he great for his age he's just great he is uh, you know and and, and it, ne- it never looks effortful he's just walking around the stage and he's wearing jeans and a little shirt but he doesn't look silly he just he looks yeah I'm, I'm, I'm you know if he's had anything done to his visage it is some genius level work um but he yeah. you know he looks great and sounds great i i honestly it was such a tonic if you're feeling a bit weary and old to go and see him you just yeah. revitalize i like yeah. the fact graham that um chris martin out of coldplay um has decided because he was slightly annoyed that bruce springsteen looked so good at 73 um and chris martin is probably only about 50 um that he has adopted um bruce springsteen lifestyle of only eating one meal a day to keep that buff body going. I mean, 
But I was I saw that and I was looking at Bruce on stage and I was thinking, mm, would I miss two meals to look like that? <laughs> <laughs> and what's the answer? I, well, well, clearly not. But but also, you know, it's like it is not. You know that thing you're kind of going. Oh, I hope I look like that at seventy two. It's like I don't look like that now. What are the chances of me looking like that in thirteen years? Uh, but but also, what is the one meal? You know, can you? I mean, it, because that could go wrong too. You know, it's one of those diets that you still have to eat something sensible. That you couldn't just have a yes. you know a cheeseburger and chips every day for the rest of your life. Uh, so I yeah I. It's not worth it, I don't think. Yeah, you, also, I, I guess I'm guessing it? that the I'm guessing the one meal a day doesn't go on for like three hours. <laughs> it's not <laughs> eat all you can buffet. Yeah, yeah. It, it's like it's the opposite of brunch. It's lunch into dinner. It's liner. You just you start about two and finish about half four. There you go. Lovely. And, and, and did full. you feel as did you feel Graham on your sixtieth a sense of um, wow, I didn't realise I would get to 60. It is, you know, well, you know, you know. Uh, no, I don't. It, I'm still only 56. <laughs> it is a weird feeling because, you know, you grow up, you've lived your whole life hearing the word 60 and thinking, oh, old person. And then suddenly, oh, I'm 60. I had dinner with some young people the other day and uh, they they were going, so they said, he, the man was talking to me and he said, so, you know, and you've got these people, like they're in their 60s and then you could see him looking at me going, and 70s, I mean, they're in their 70s. <laughs> and they're like, no, too late. You've, you've said it now. You're referring to old people and you're sitting beside one. Uh, Maria, Maria, we must keep going because of course we are yes. in the flow. Virgin Radio. Uh, now, can we have our first letter of the day, please? We can, and I think this is something that will resonate with a lot of Virgin Radio listeners. Here we are. Dear Graham and Maria, I'm writing in about my dad. He's 82 and still driving, but we don't think he should be. My mum died two years ago, and to his credit, he's picked himself up, organised a social life, plays bridge and golf, and is doing pretty well. He lives in a quiet, remote village, so he desperately needs his car to get around. My brother and I feel like he's just not as quick with his reflexes and concentration as he was. In short, a danger to others and himself. Now, how do we broach this and take away his last grasp of independence? I really fear for him being stuck, but I also fear the damage he could do if we don't implement this plan. And that is Gerald in East Sussex. Well, Gerald in East Sussex, well done for spotting this because I do think it's one of those difficulties. Now, you know, we renew uh, the last time I think you can renew your driving license is at 70 and then it becomes free. But when you renew at 70, you are obliged to put in medical details, etc. And to keep the DVLA informed of any changes in that. Now, I think, Geraldine East Sussex, you take away responsibility yourselves by suggesting to him as gently as possible when he's next going to get a prescription or whatever, that he has a medical checkup. Uh, because this will kind of, you know, reveal an awful lot of things that may or may not be diminishing as he gets older. And also, what is 
really important is an appointment with the optometrist to make sure he can still see uh, as clearly as he needs to. And then it's not so much you saying it as just saying we think and it would be useful to and responsible to have a medical and an optometrist exam. Now, if you really do think and if it comes back that he's not um, able to drive anymore because that you're right it takes away his independence he could do a thing in the small village you know there are people who are unemployed or somebody that might want to have access to a car but not use the car you know not have a car there of their own so you he could do some sort of scheme where he puts someone on the insurance and they get to use the car uh, as long as they drive him to the golf club and then come and pick him up or drive him to the bridge or, you know, pick up his shopping with him. So, you know, there are ways around it. And also at 82, sometimes, you know, just get a cab here and there, get a cab to dinner, get a cab over to your friend's house. You don't, you know, you can get by without your car. There are ways and there are car share schemes, etc. But I do think you've done a good thing and you must encourage him to go and get checked. Graham, what do you think? Well, it's difficult, isn't it? Because you don't want to wait too long. You don't want to wait till the bad thing happens before you, you, this happens. So you've got to, but you've got, but equally, you don't want to go over your car too soon. And this man sounds like he's kind of with it. He's playing bridge. He's playing golf. You know, he's so he's not decrepit. In, in the, he's got the mental faculties to play bridge and the physical capacity to play golf. So he's doing okay. I think you just have a chat with him. You say, you know, we've just me and my brother were just thinking about the future. How long do you think you're going to keep driving? When do you think you you know you might give up the car and maybe put in little limits on it, like so? Don't do night driving. Uh, don't do motorway driving. Things like that. So you know, so limit his driving, but still let him drive. Mm-hmm. Um, and because he's he's got to make the decision himself. And I think normally what happens is older people they, they have a couple of scares. And then they kind of go, oh, actually, <laughs> I think I think I need to, you know, really limit my driving. And of course, the yeah, less but... you drive, the less good you are at it. And, you know, it's a kind of a, a little a diminishing spiral. But, you know, he's 82 and he has this social life. And as you say, he's, he's done a great job after the, the death of his wife to pick up a social life. Because I think that's often harder for men. So well for done sure. him. So you, the last thing you want to do is kind of pull the plug on that and kind of go, oh, by the way, now you're sat in that room. So it's, it is... Mm. It's a tricky one. I think the problem, doing a little bit of research on this, a lot of people, when they do start to get older, they don't want to know the medical things that are going to, you know, impinge on their life. And quite often, uh, the DVLA have set, reported that people do not have the medical because they don't want to find out about it. And they certainly don't want to tell the DVLA that they have got diabetes or that they take insulin or, or you know, possible dementia or whatever. And, and so that is a problem because the, it is your last grasp of an independent life. And the thought of losing that is too horrific. But also, yeah. we have to look at the other side of the coin when you say, you know, you have a slight scare. Those slight scares might be more than a slight scare and it might end up in damaging somebody else or himself. So you're right, Gerald, to be um, concerned. And I think, you know, have a chat and do suggest the doctor and an optometrist and then it's taken away from you. And uh, I'm sure, as you say, virgin listeners will have 
faced this, either being older themselves and saying goodbye to their car or kind of trying to get their parents out of the car. So what did you do? Now, my favourite responders today will be receiving a Waitrose number one blonde chocolate with salted caramel truffles Easter egg. It looks mad if I am. Beautifully presented. Just gorgeous. A Jackie in Helensborough. I think the family should check his car carefully. My dad had bumped every corner of his car as his eyesight and judgment failed. So we were able to say to him that that could have been a little person he bumped. That made him really think about it and we went to the GP together who persuaded dad to stop driving. Sarah says her father was in the same position. As much as it upset me, I just took the keys off him. He gradually understood. My concern was not only for his safety but also others. If something had happened, I couldn't have forgiven myself. Now, this is interesting. Connor in Edinburgh uh, says, you suggest that he can get an independent driving assessment. It's available in most areas, either through the NHS or a driving instructor. Remember, older drivers are a lot safer than younger drivers. And when that is true, because at least they're, you know, probably not speeding. It's about, you know, the slowing down of reactions and things like that. So that is a good idea. And uh, if Gerald is concerned that his father is genuinely unsafe to drive, he could report him anonymously to the DVLA. My daughter did this uh, after being in the car with my dad and being scared that his reactions were not sharp enough to be safe. He was called into his GP for a medical and sight test and they decided he wasn't fit to drive, so rescinded his licence. He never knew why he'd had the call. We never told him, so he accepted it with good grace. And I won't read out that name just in case he (laughs) He suddenly twigs. He goes, oh, that was me. Uh, So thanks for all of that feedback. Graham's Guide. Okay, here we are. Dear Graham and Maria, since the pandemic, my partner, who is 48, has been awash with anxiety. She still functions, but everything causes stress and all tasks have to be completed at breakneck speed. When her schedule goes awry, there are transport troubles or cancellations of events. She becomes incandescent with rage. Prior to this, she was pretty easygoing and calm. I just don't know what to do and I'm at my wit's end and that is from Robert in Wolverton. Well, Robert in Wolverton, I think a lot of people, you know, still have a sort of hangover of, you know, a traumatic time. It was a time when the world shut down. We all became socially anxious. We all became strange little hermits in our caves. And that takes a while to get over. You know, I know it was a while ago, but there are still ramifications to be felt. Also... Your partner is 48. I think this has kind of coincided or collided, as it were, with the menopause or the perimenopause because all of these symptoms that you are talking about are very much uh, part of the multitude of menopause symptoms that there can be. Uh, The rage, the breakneck speed, the things when troubles happen going completely ape. Oh, can't say that word. Completely bonkers. Uh, and so I think what you need to do, because it's nothing to do with you, and I'm not sure you can help, is get your wife, partner, to go to her GP and explain all of this. And, you know, there may well be other things that she's not telling you about as well, not sleeping well, hot flushes or whatever. Because 
the good thing is, I mean, and also don't let him put her on antidepressants, which a lot of GPs do because they don't know what to do. And they go, well, you're 48. It's all a bit over for you. So here's some antidepressants. <laughs> she must get some HRT. And the good thing is, is from the 1st of April, the government have implemented a plan where prescription pe if you get a prescription prepayment certificate, you can reduce your costs to less than 20 pounds a year with multiple, you know, gels or patches or treatments. And you can constantly repeat that through the year and still only pay 20 pounds. It sounds to me like she is right on the edge of something that is going to be very difficult to handle on her own. And there is help out there. And there's been a lot of traction about menopause and how we have ignored for so long. Something that is really very difficult and can be, you know, it's causing you problems, Robert. So uh, I would have that conversation with your wife partner and get her to go and possibly get her levels checked for um, menopause and HRT re hormone replacement. Graham, what do you think? Well, I think someone's been Googling the problems. Well done, Maria. Very good. I know. Good. I've been, I'm on it this morning. <laughs> I am on it like a bonnet, Easter bonnet this morning. <laughs> uh, yeah, poor old Robert in Wolverton. I mean, it's so hard when when it's happening to someone else um, because you do feel totally powerless and yet you, you recognise the problem you, and you want to help and yet you, you can because you, you feel like if you interfere, you're going to make it worse. Um, but you're you're absolutely right, Maria. I mean, whatever the problem is, it needs a third party. So if it if it's not as you know if it's not the menopause, then it's going to be it it, it is just a kind of a, a kind of a, a build up of of a kind of mental health issue with anxiety. So whatever it is, she needs help. Whether that's from a GP or from talking to a counselor or a therapist, whatever it is, she needs someone else. And I think Robert, what you need to do is. Uh, like you, it's very hard to broach, but you need to say, "I've you have changed. You aren't. You don't react to situations the way you used to." Um, you know, kind of, are you aware of that? And I, I don't know how you, but you know, this is your partner, and you've, you know, yeah, I I'm not, I'm not sure that's going to go down that well with somebody who goes into an incandescent rage. But I think she, you know, a lot of women don't actually clock that this is you know that there are symptoms to the menopause and this is the time when it's happening probably because we're all in denial and we don't want that to happen because it is a big life change it feels like the end of your fertility and all of those things but I think just to say this is what it could be because she won't be happy either Robert involved and she'll know that she's not who she was and she'll want to fix it but it's so hard because when it's someone close to you you take things out on someone close to you because you can't go into a rage with other people so you have to tread very carefully here and just say you want yes. her to be you want her to feel better that's all you want her to feel better she'll want to feel better but find a way you know it's your wife you'll know what the trigger points are but find a way to say it that is encouraging yes i don't think you want your your boyfriend or partner to to suggest you're going through the menopause i think you need to you need to talk around it a bit okay. and and but but i but i do think it she has to recognize that that she has changed herself and hopefully she will recognize it and and she will kind of think oh actually maybe i do want some help and and listen robert you are being you are you're being a good partner you you care about this woman and you want to to see the woman you used to go out with uh back again so uh it's a, it is a tricky one i don't i don't quite know how you broach the subject maybe the listeners will have a better idea what uh, about though what graham oh, yes. sorry darling yes, yes, what about yes. 
if um, he just finds a, a, an article on menopause and symptoms and when it can possibly start and just leaves it lying around or photocopies it in really big letters because your eyes go as well when you're that age um, and just sort of then it's not him suggesting like I know about women's bodies it's an article that you know you've just read in the Lancet or in something or other that you think she might find useful <laughs> Annoying as well, I, I know. I love it. Annoying. I found this I found this copy of the Lancet. I don't know where it came from. <laughs> I was reading my I was reading my copy of the Lancet and I read this. Uh, let's see if the listeners have any better ideas. And my favourite responder will again be getting that Waitrose blonde chocolate with salted caramel truffles Easter egg. Uh, let's find out what the listeners thought. Leanne in Leeds by Davina McCall's book Menopausing. It's hugely informative for men and women. He should read it first and get informed on this absolute roller coaster. Let his partner know he's done some research and offer her the book or leave it on the table for her to read. Um, Karina in Southampton says, as a life coach, I don't agree with just leaving a magazine article lying around. Okay. I think honest and open communication, starting the conversation with, I care about you so much and I want the best for you. I did a little bit of research and I wonder if it might be worth investigating if you're going through the change. Um, Navigating the weird and hard hormonal changes is difficult, but speaking about it and seeking professional help can really help. Sarah in Cornwall uh, has, is really interesting. She says, I'm in exactly the same position as Robert's wife. Whilst I did have anxiety pre-COVID, that morphed into something much greater due to a combination of both the perimenopause and COVID. It does creep up on you as it doesn't suddenly all change overnight. There's loads of help out there. Support groups, websites. Too few people actually make the connection between anxiety and hormone levels or are aware of how many women this affects. A blood test to check FASF SH levels will open up conversations and in turn possible solutions that's from Sarah in Cornwall you know what Sarah in Cornwall I'm going to stop there and give you uh, the easter egg and for the first problem I'll give that to Connor in Edinburgh the Graham Norton radio show with Waitrose food to feel good about Virgin Radio Right, time to meet my guest today. Uh, we first met her when she was Martha in Doctor Who, then she went to Torchwood, and then Northern Order UK, then we lost her to the States for a long time, but now she's back on our screens in Dreamland. It's a new comedy drama available to watch on Sky Atlantic, and now her name is Freema Ajerman, and she joins us now. Hello, Freema. Hello, Graham. How are you? <laughs> I'm really well. So nice to talk to you again. Uh, you too. Now, yeah. Uh, so Dreamland, uh, it's uh, no. So I mean, it is because when it starts, you kind of think, "Oh, this is a comedy," but mm. then it it takes quite. It's almost like operatic. The the plot in this, it's it's really dramatic. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant! Well, I hope the writers um, are tuned in and listening to that because I actually agree with you. I think it moves so beautifully between the drama and the comedy. I mean, it is sort of. Um, labelled as a, a dark comedy actually and I think the writers have brilliantly managed to nail those nuances which um, exist in all of our lives really which is how much comedy and tragedy can just walk hand in hand every single day of our existence. <laughs> all right so tell us about your character Trish tell us about her and she's got this kind of modern blended family uh, which is full of complications. Uh, talk talk yeah. us through it. So, yeah, she's the eldest of four sisters. Um, and then um, it's a very female-centric household. There's a mum and nan as well. And um, 
um so Trish is married and she has two boys um so they're the they're the, the main male contingents here otherwise it's it's definitely female centric um and she is a bit of a busybody and she comes across as um quite front footed and loud mouthed um but then we quickly discover that she's had um a lot of mis- misfortune and tragedy in her life quite recently in the last two years she's had three miscarriages so and she's pregnant now with her third child so there's there's a fragility and a vulnerability there and I think it's hiding under this mania and everyone's kind of rallying around that and just going with whatever she needs um and they're a very close you know working class salt of the earth family very in love with each other and then there's this um, the fourth sister, who uh, hasn't necessarily been in the fold, um, returns from Paris and uh, and kind of upsets the apple cart a little bit. And this series, this is kind of a, a, a spin-off from a, a short film, is that right? Yeah, Sharon Horgan wrote um, the short, it, it um, won a BAFTA. I mean, I remember seeing it and thinking, this is just so brilliant. It's so difficult, I think, in, for me as a non-writer to ever imagine how you can tell a story in such a wonderful, succinct way, let alone when it's a short, how you can get from like a beginning, middle to end in like oh, under 15 minutes. And it's just, it was so brilliantly pitched um, that when I saw the short and then got sent the pilot, um, for this because now it's obviously to be developed into a series I was just emailing my agents like please I want to be part of this it's so fun <laughs> um, so was the original it was all it was always set in Margate that that's not that hasn't changed that hasn't changed and um, Francis Barber and Amy Fionn Edwards and Gabby Best were also in that short as well so they were reprising their roles and then um, the rest of us came in as newbies um, but yeah it's pretty much based on what that story was yeah and talking of newbies you know Lily Allen's in this and I wondered what was yes. it like because you know she's obviously a pop star and the rest of you are all you know you are actors this is what you do were you mm. all a bit kind of were you kind of sniffing around were you a bit suspicious of each other <laughs> uh, when it started <laughs> I love that um do you know what it's interesting really because I think I find this um in our industry in general you know if you're kind of um your work is known for being in one genre even or one medium that kind of transitioning can be difficult because you're kind of seen as being associated with with that area in which you're known but I kind of feel like storytelling is storytelling and with Lily she's she's a storyteller and she's always written and I personally when I listen to her music I can't be doing other things at the same time because I feel like I've missed a chapter of the story there's such a big narrative when she writes and I think as that kind of storyteller she's now coming in and yes she's using somebody else's words but she's just transposing the medium and then she's taken to it and she's you know she wouldn't mind me saying she's obviously spoken about it herself but she's grown up on set her whole family is in the industry so I think she had a familiarity yeah. with it anyway um but she hasn't as we know her to be she has that blunt honesty and that you know sort of self-deprecation and, and openness that I think she is going to lend her um well in this business because she was asking questions and she was saying I don't understand this please can you explain that and she was taking notes really well so she's you know if you we learn by asking questions and by being open and I think if she 
that's what she was doing and I think that, that will definitely stand her in good stead. And Freeman, it strikes me, it's all started in Margate and, you know, uh, British seaside resorts, they have a certain, you know, in our head, we think of them in a certain way. Uh, but this is so bright and sunny. Was that clever lighting mm. or was it actually bright and sunny? Oh, it, we shot um, over last summer and that was... I mean, we had that really hot weather that was like 44 degrees or something. We were out in the blazing sun. Um, and I think, yeah, at the time, the uh, the warning was to stay inside and drink lots of water. And, uh, <laughs> and we were like making telly, which was fun and fabulous. Um, because because actually we got to be by the seaside. And I have to say, I love it. And I'd, I'd already planned to go and spend some time um you know by our love at our coastline um and it just so happened that when this job came up and they were like well you'll be living and working in margate i was genuinely kicking my high and um and i absolutely loved it because i haven't been there since i was a kid so i felt like i was on a little holiday i loved it <laughs> but but everyone else was on their holiday so like did you cause a sensation in margate you know like what do we do today we'll walk the beach and then we'll go and see uh, we'll go and see them filming where they're just crowds the whole time um people were brilliant actually they were um really supportive um and they would if they you know were watching us filming then um they were doing so supportively um but yeah you, <laughs> you could i hear you, could, you. <laughs> no it was it was fun it was well i felt you know we all felt very welcome to be to be living and working in the area and um and then everyone would kind of go out and find little hidden gems and we'd come back into set the next day and be like have you found that seaweed mud mask shop that's over by the promenade and have you found that brilliant coffee shop and the the sunsets were epic there they are epic and um you know this person sort of found a nice place to have a glass of wine and watch that so we were coming in and sharing notes about um the margate that we were all discovering and then we'd do things together like the director was sorting out 6am swims and yoga for us to go to and um oh it was just honestly i felt like we were at camp and everyone's wearing bright colors it was just very joyful graham very very well, i'm glad you enjoyed it because uh, i i've seen i've seen the the whole thing so uh i know it, it ends on a cliffhanger so presumably you're all planning to return to margate um we hope so we would love to i mean i'm totally in love with the project and everybody involved um it had such a really lovely community feel to it and yeah we would love to and i guess um we have to sit tight and and wait and see but i'm glad you watched it and i'm glad you enjoyed it <laughs> yeah no no i mean if they look if they don't make another series they'll have to make an, at least an episode they'll have to do something <laughs> just to wind that up yeah yeah we need to know we need to know uh tell me this is this is, is dreamland the reason you came back from the states or had you already come back from the states well how did that all pan out I, i'd already come back um from the states this this came up like on about uh, two months maybe after I'd already been home um, and it couldn't have come at a perfect more perfect time because one of the main reasons I left the States was because I've been living on and off and working there for I don't know like the last 10 years and I was just missing home and missing England and all things English and I just wanted to to just get back into that and so when this project came up which couldn't be more British um I was like this is a perfect fusion of like homecoming I get to actually be at home and be in a product that's celebrating um England in this way 
I loved it. And how different how different Freema is it being on a British set? Is the, is the whole atmosphere different or is it just kind of more or less the same? Um well I kind of feel like um well I feel first of all very fortunate that I've had the opportunity to work on both sides of the water. I'm very grateful. Uh, and when I first went over to the states I found it a little bit overwhelming in just so far as the size of everything and the numbers it's all just bigger and there's more of everything um people equipment locations um the 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 amount of episodes it's just big and um and and that was a lot to get used to but then when i got to the set it's one of the things i really rely on and take comfort in that that the culture of a set is pretty much the same wherever well, in my experience, I speak for myself, but wherever I've been, I feel like once you actually get onto the set, there's a familiarity um, that you can fall into. And so therefore I can work 3000 miles away from home or wherever and still feel a sense of community because there's uh, there's things I can, um, you know, that are familiar to me in that environment. But certainly coming back home after all this time, I don't know if that's just because I'm older though and I'm I have more experience and I kind of approach my work in a different way. But I did feel like I was able to speak to the producers and the creators, people at Merman, people at Sky, about the kind of creation and the marketing and the development process of this show and and feel kind of more an inclusion in the holistic sense of the product rather than just being... um, an actor on it if that yeah just a a cog a cog in the machine Uh, (laughs) well listen congratulations on it Uh, it's a really it's a really pacey great bright uh watch people really like it it's called dreamland it's on uh, sky atlantic and now to watch now uh (laughs) thank you very much for joining us enjoy the rest of your easter take care bye thank you you too bye right like a proud mother hen i have a basket in front of me containing five eggs yes it's time to play the waitrose excellent easter competition uh three listeners about to get a chance to win a prize contained within one of the eggs a range of luxury easter eggs there's hot cross buns or 250 pounds to spend in waitrose all right let's hit the phones at first I believe we have Jane. Hello, Jane. Hi, Hi, Graham. Hello. <laughs> yeah, you're Jane. I'm Graham. It's all good. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, where, where are you, Jane? Well, I'm sitting in my car outside a supermarket um, in Coventry. All right. So have you done your shopping or are you about to do your shopping? I- I've done it. Um, I've done it. Oh. I've just finished. So I'm on my way home all now. Right. So, yes. Yeah. All right. Well, let, let's see if we can give you some more money to spend in a shop. Uh, which, oh no, oh no, here the thing is, before you can pick an egg, you have to correctly answer a question, okay? It is a simple okay. question. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right, Jane, focus your mind now. Here we go. Oh, tension okay. bed and everything. I mean, the tension bed, <laughs> it makes it sound a bit ominous. The question is very easy. Which animal, which animal traditionally delivers Easter eggs. What would you normally see with a basket of Easter eggs? What little animal would that be? Well, it's a rabbit, isn't it? That's usually the Easter bunny. Let's see if you're right. I mean, come on. Yes, of course you're right. Yes, well done. I told you it was easy. (laughs) All right, so there's five eggs here. There's five eggs of them. And I don't know what's in them uh, till I open them. So which egg do you want to pick? Um, So pick a number, do I? Yes, that's the idea. Okay, well, number five then, please. Number five. You've gone for egg number five. Hang on, where am I? Egg egg number five. 
All right, and in here is your prize. Oh, Jane, you've won a bottle of Waitrose Rosé Champagne. Oh, great, thank you. I know, good prize, right? Well done, you. All right, that, that, that'll wash down the rest of your shopping. All right, drive, sa drive safe, Jane. Thanks for playing. Thank you very much, Bye. Graham. Lovely to talk to you. Thank you. Lovely to talk to you. Take care. Next up, we've got Carol. Hi, Carol. Hello. Hello, Graham. Hello, and where are you, Carol? I'm in sunny Swansea. <gasps> and is it sunny? Um, yes, well, actually, it's gone a bit hazy now, but it was sunny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's hold yeah. on to the memory. <laughs> yes, yes, and what, what are you up to? What are you up to on this Easter Saturday? Well, I've already sort of spoken to you on the text. I'm walking with my sausage dogs. I'm not at the moment. Oh, you're the mad lady. You're the mad lady walking with sausages. Okay, <laughs> well done, you. Yes. Uh, so, so I thought I'm I'd concerned. try on this as well. Yeah. I'm concerned you've only done 17 and a half miles and you have to get to 60 in April. That'll be fine. Two miles a day should be doable. All right. Good luck to you. Uh, let's see yeah. if we can uh, uh, cheer you on your way with a nice prize. Uh, what egg? No, you, five is gone. So you've got egg one, two, three or four. Which one are you picking? Uh, number three. Number three. Okay, where am I? Number three... Oh no, before, no, I, 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 I've, I've got it all wrong. You have to answer a question. You have to answer a question oh, before you pick okay. the thing. But here we go. It's easy, it's easy, it's easy. Uh, what okay. do you put on the buns that are traditionally eaten at Easter? Do you put a cross, a triangle or a square? A cross. You do indeed, yes. Uh, so egg number three. Okay, here we go. Uh, yeah. What have you got? You, now... You can afford the calories because you're walking a lot in April. You have got an Easter chocolate and orange panettone. Yes, you have. Oh, lovely. Well done. I mean, it's not 250 pounds, but it's still a lovely prize. It's a lovely yeah, prize. Yes, lovely. Uh, keep it away from the sausage dogs and good luck with your 60 miles walking, Carol. Take care. Yes, Happy thanks. Easter. Thank you, Graham. Nice to speak to you. And, and to you, Carol. Bye. And finally, we have Andrea. Hello, Andrea. Hello. Do we have Andrea? Yes, she do. Can you hear me? Oh, there she is. Hi, Andrea. Uh, where are you, Andrea? I am in sunny Shropshire. And is it sunny or are you just remembering that it was sunny? No, it is actually very sunny. I'm sat in the sunshine watching my husband jet wash. Oh, love. Well, there's nothing more fun than that. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so he's a very slow. Joe Washington, it's so slow, isn't it? Tiny little postage stamps. But anyway, well oh. done him. Yeah, you're very patient to watch him. Uh, <laughs> right, Andrea, you have to uh, ask, uh, answer a little question before you can pick an egg. So, what is the Thursday before Easter called? Okay, the Thursday before Easter called, is it... Good Thursday, or is it Maundy Thursday? Oh, Maundy Thursday. Is it right? Yes, you are. Of course you are. <laughs> uh, okay, now you've only got three eggs to choose from. You can choose egg number one, egg number two, or egg number four. What do you fancy, Andrea? I'm going to go for number two, the same date as our wedding anniversary. Oh, no, but what, second of what is your... 
anniversary. The 2nd of April, so it's last Oh, weekend. the 2nd of April. Okay, so you're going for egg number two. Hang on, let me get egg number two out. Okay, and uh, you have one. Andrea, that is your lucky number. You've won £250 to spend at Waitrose. I know that's that's worth the price of a phone call, isn't it? It uh, is. Well, yeah, thank you. Uh, Made my Easter. Well, actually, and we we called you, so it was only the price of a text. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is there anyone you'd like to say hello to? Uh, you got the top prize, so I'll give you the shout out. Uh, anyone you'd like to say hello to while you're on the wireless? Well, obviously my husband um, to say thank you for jet washing, and really just to my lovely family to say have a fab Easter all. Thank you so much for joining me on the Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. And hey, have you clicked that follow button on all of our socials? Just look up at Virgin Radio UK on all platforms. That's it for now. Happy Easter one and all. The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. Food to feel good about. Virgin Radio.